Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday 23rd of September 2023. This is Rod and your other readers are Jenny, Andrew is standing in for Tom and Jane. The editor this week is Kevin. Our technician this week is Joe. This week is Team 2. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhampstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week's headline is Bodies on the Floor of Watford and Hemel Mortuary. These and other stories follow. Hello, this is Jenny. Bodies on the Floor. An inspection of the mortuaries at Hemel Hempstead and Watford General Hospitals found bodies stored on the floors of freezers due to lack of space and corpses deteriorating due to lack of long-term storage. The two mortuaries, which are part of the West Hertfordshire Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust, were inspected by the Human Tissue Authority, HTA, earlier this year in March. And this month, the results of the inspection and the steps being taken to address the shortfalls were reported to a meeting of the Trust's board. Trust bosses stress that in the months since the inspection, good progress has been made, pointing to investments in the buildings, the purchase of new equipment and the expansion of the mortuary team. And work on a new mortuary on the Watford General site is already underway and due to open next year. The most serious of the shortfalls identified in the HTA report following the March visit related to the assessment of the mortuary facilities in terms of capacity, condition and maintenance. This was rated as critical. Pointing to insufficient internal capacity, the inspection found mortuaries at both hospitals were using the floor space of the fridges for the storage of bodies. And according to the report, the inspection found semi-permanent surge units in constant use. The report identified bodies that had deteriorated due to lack of long-term storage. And it noted that there were no bariatric freezer spaces for the long-term storage of larger bodies. Hello, this is Andrew, continuing the bodies on the floor news item. Meanwhile, it also pointed to fridges and freezers that were showing signs of age. It highlighted perished door seals on one freezer, leading to a build-up of ice, and poor seals on one refrigerator, resulting in one door opening when another was closed. In addition, the HTA inspection pointed to the condition of the mortuary premises more generally, and although regularly cleaned, the report said age and deterioration meant there was a risk they could not be maintained cleaned or decontaminated effectively. In the fridge rooms at both Hemel and Watford, the HTA uh, report pointed to damage to walls and ceilings and the use of porous wooden storage equipment as well as chips and cracks on the floors. And in the post-mortem room in Hemel, it pointed to perished floor seals with water trapped under the flooring and to a damaged drain cover that had been removed, leaving an exposed drain. Among other issues flagged by the report were the risks of bodies being transferred to external storage units through carpeted areas of the hospital past wards and main reception. This poses a risk to infection control, dignity of the deceased due to oversight of body transfers and accidental damage to bodies, says the report. In addition, the report also catalogued a number of shortfalls relating to policies, procedures and governance. Overall, according the Trust's report to the Board, there were found to be 20 shortfalls at the mortuaries, one critical, 13 major and 6 minor. Nevertheless, the HTA did assess the mortuaries to be suitable to be licensed subject to corrective and preventative actions being implemented to meet the shortfalls identified during the inspection. Hello, this is Jane, continuing in the previous news item. In the wake of the HTA inspection report, trust bosses point to plans to replace the surge units, which were largely brought in as part of the COVID pandemic response. 
A new mortuary has already been developed on the Watford General site, which will replace two of the external surge fridges and include several bariatric freezer spaces. There are plans for further remedial works, as well as for an additional three more non-medical staff at senior, middle and junior bandings. And according to the report to the Trust Board, the locks on the fridges and freezers were repaired within weeks of the visit. The Trust has already submitted its action plan to the HTA and they say good progress has been made since the inspection, with most outstanding actions relating to recruitment of new staff. Following the meeting of the Board, Divisional Director for Clinical Support Services, Martin Kebble, highlighted the considerable progress that had been made. We're pleased to report that we have made considerable progress in responding to the issues raised by the HTA following the inspection of our mortuaries at Hemel and Watford General Hospitals in March, he said. This includes investments in improving the building fabric of the mortuaries, the purchase of new equipment and the expansion of the mortuary team. We have received positive feedback from the HTA on our progress to date and look forward to completing all of the outstanding actions before our next inspection in March 2024. Commenting on their inspection of the mortuaries, a spokesperson for Human Tissue Authority said, we were concerned about what we found when we inspected the mortuary facility at Hemel Hempstead and issued several major and critical shortfalls. When considering the appropriate regulatory action, we must balance the risk posed by keeping the establishment open, the establishment's willingness to address the shortfalls and the capacity of alternative provision in the local area. We are working with the establishment to ensure the current mortuary is improved while they await the construction of new facilities. Family Tribute to Teenager The family of a man who died following a collision in Hemel Hempstead have paid tribute to him. Just after 5.30am on Monday, August the 28th, an Audi crashed on the A414 between Hemel Hempstead and Park Street. It was travelling southbound and hit a central reservation. Hertfordshire Constabulary confirmed that Armin Iqbal, who was 19, died at the scene. His family have released a tribute via the police force, saying Armin was only 19 years old when he passed away. He was a fun and happy soul who left a lasting impression to everyone he crossed paths with. Armin was an amazing son who prioritised his family, looked after his parents and was a role model to his young siblings and those around him. He cared for his younger siblings like no other and will be forever remembered and missed by them. Armin was known to keep Islam close to his heart and we are very proud of his passion for his religion. He was quick to right a wrong and would lend a helpful hand to anyone who needed it. Our son was a caring, smart and compassionate man and a positive influence on the lives of his family, friends and everyone in the community. Armin's death has impacted a lot of people throughout his short time with us. Although he is gone, his memory will live in our hearts eternally and he will be remembered by all the good deeds he did. Life will never be the same without him, but we are grateful for every minute we were given. You will always be missed, remembered and loved. Verily, we belong to Allah and verily to him we do return. Detective Sergeant Ben Heath from the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire Serious Collisions Unit added, Our thoughts remain with the family of Armand at this sad time. We'd like to hear from anyone with information. Please get in contact with me via email at ben.heath at hearts.police.uk Information can be reported to the police online via a web chat 
or by calling 101, quoting 41 forward slash 68837 forward slash 23. People can stay 100% anonymous by contacting Crime Stoppers online or on 0800 Motorway accident. A man in his 20s has died following a traffic accident on the M25 near to the junction for Hemel Hempstead. Police are appealing for witnesses, information and dash cam footage following the crash at 11pm on Saturday, September 16th between Junction 23, Bignall's Corner and Junction 25, travelling anti-clockwise. Officers and the ambulance service attended, but the driver of a red Ford Focus, a man aged in his 20s, was pronounced dead at the scene. Sergeant Tim Davis said, We are investigating the circumstances of the collision and are appealing for anyone who was in the area at the time and may have witnessed the collision or the events leading up to it, so please come forward. Anyone with information should email timothy.com Davies, that's D-A-V-I-E-S, at hearts.police.uk. Decorum Borough Council has received government funding for two affordable housing projects in Hemel Hempstead. The local authority has received £10.9 million from Homes England for projects in Marchmont Fields and Paradise Depot. Located off St Albans Road, the Paradise Depot scheme involves redevelopment of an existing site and constructing a new building. Decorum Borough Council plans to build a food bank within the new building and a new depot and offices run by local homeless charity DENS. Also at the Hemel location, the council wants to build 56 apartments with a mix of one and two bed homes. Other features will include a community cafe and office space in the DENS building. This project has been supported by the local not-for-profit organisation that has been situated at the site since 2010. The new cafe is seen as a hub which will support vulnerable residents and provide training opportunities for the charity. It is hoped that the DENS centre would become a community hub for people living in decorum. A council spokesman said, Both buildings will be heated by an energy-efficient air source heat pump system and will have a number of electric vehicle charging points in the communal parking areas. Planning permission was granted in March 2023 with construction works due to begin next spring. The Marchmont Fields site is to the south of the existing Grove Hill estate. Approved plans will see 32 new homes, including 14 houses and 18 apartments for social rent. Current council projections estimate the project will be completed in spring 2025. All new homes will be heated by air source heat pumps and development includes electric vehicle charging points, the local authority has stated. Councillor Simi Diani said, we welcome the funding for these two exciting projects which will bring much needed affordable housing to the borough with all homes being provided at social rent levels. We are pleased our excellent track record of delivering new homes has been recognised and that we have been awarded funding to accelerate and increase our efforts in building truly affordable homes for our residents. Hemel Girl gets promise of Parliament funding. Little Lexi had a big day out to the House of Commons where her family secured the promise of government funding for a rare health condition. Lexi from Hemel Hempstead has a 1 in 2 million condition called Fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva or FOP for short. Knocks, bumps and even injections could prove life limiting for people with FOP because their bodies replace muscle and tissue with bone over time. Hemel Hempstead MP Sir Mike Penning brought his two-year-old constituent and her family to Parliament, where Health Minister Will Quince promised to meet people who live with FOP. 
MPs told Mr Quince how vital rare disease research is because incorrect treatments in such as amputation and intrusive diagnostics can progress rare conditions. They also warned one trial looking at whether a drug called saracatinib can be used to treat FOP was paused during COVID-19 and a struggle to resume post-pandemic with risk that some efforts could go to waste if the project cannot return to full swing. So Mike said, the condition is probably the biggest nightmare for any parent or anybody who loves a child. Let me give an example. I played rugby and I bruised very regularly. For those who have FOP, there is a good chance that that bruise will turn to bone. Most of us want our young children to be inoculated. If somebody with FOP has an injection, there is a good chance that that trauma will turn to bone. The Conservative MP added, There are young people in the gallery this afternoon who have the condition. What does it mean for them? It means that their whole life is different. Do we want to wrap our children up in cotton wool? No, of course we do not. But they have to be extremely careful about inoculations, bruising, sport and rough and tumble. So Mike said, learning from other people who are in the same situation and not having to reinvent the wheel every five minutes is vital to beating FOP. Liz Twist, MP, Labour MP for Bladen near Newcastle, said research paused as a result of COVID-19 could result in wasted opportunities in research. She said, like much of the research into rare conditions, FOP research is likely to have far-reaching benefits for more common illnesses such as osteoporosis, childhood brain cancer and heart disease. Will Quince, MP, is a minister in the Department of Health and Social Care. The Conservative MP for Colchester said, these diseases and conditions have wide-ranging impacts, not just on sufferers' physical health, but on their mental health and on their involvement in the community. This is why it is crucial that those affected by this condition receive the best possible care, from swift diagnosis to treatment, to improve their quality of life as disease and conditions sadly progress. To do that, it is vital that the UK harnesses our research prowess. Today's debate has largely focused on the power of research and how it is often the key to unlocking so much. Our universities, scientific institutions and healthcare system very much lead the world in this space. We often say that we are world leading in lots of areas but research is certainly one area where we are. They have enormous potential to develop solutions to improve the lives of people living with rare conditions, including FOP. Let me be clear that the government are committed to funding this research. Mr Quince added the Medical Research Council, a government body, has funded three FOP-linked projects since 2010. He said a UK rare diseases framework in 2021 identified four priorities. Faster diagnosis, increasing awareness, coordinated care and specialist care, which was followed up with a developing action plan. When Lexi was born in 2021, doctors told her parents Alex and David Robbins that their child had bunions but genetic testing confirmed that her condition was FOP at just a few months old. David said it's a lonely experience. There are so many rare diseases together, but they are often very scary on their own. An important point in the debate was making sure the diagnosis process is sped up and less risky. Poor actions and diagnosis can progress the conditions. He added, to have Lexi in a debate today with the Minister and the backbenchers who spoke on our behalf, it was very positive. They made some commitments we hope they will see through. A meeting and to get FOP funding specifically 
and to get FOP on the registers as well. We can't blame anybody for this not being done already because it's such a rare disease nobody would even know about it unless they were presented with it. Alex said anybody who is going through a similar experience said the only way to get answers is to keep going and going and going. She said face it head on. That's what we hope to do. It's really important anything we do helps the next generation of people diagnosed. We just want to say a thank you to everyone who has helped us sign petitions, everybody who attended and watched and the medical professionals who are working towards treatment or cures. Hertfordshire County Council is to offer an overdraft facility to the company that provides lunchtime meals to hundreds of schools in and out of the county. The council-owned Hearts Catering Limited grew out of a county council department in 2013. And before the pandemic, in 2019 to 2020, the company was reporting an annual profit of £1.2 million, giving the county council a dividend of up to a million pounds a year. But the impact of the pandemic, food inflation, teacher strikes and additional bank holidays have all had an impact on trading over the past three years. And, according to a report considered by a meeting of the Council's Resources and Performance Cabinet panel on Thursday, September the 14th, the company has recorded losses in two of the last three financial years, 2020-21 and 2022-23. Those losses have, in turn, says the report, had an impact on cash flow balances which are reported to be at their lowest following the summer holidays. And councillors have been told that for a short period of the year, between September and October this year and next, the company will require cash flow support to maintain liquidity. The council's finance chiefs have drawn up a proposal to offer the company a rolling credit facility of up to £1.5 million for the next 18 months. And, says the report, HCL is confident that these are short-term cash requirements and the facility will only need to be drawn down for limited periods where operating cash is low due to the seasonal trading nature of this business. On Thursday, the move was given support by the Council's Resources and Performance Cabinet Panel, with a number of councillors pointing to the importance of the service the company offers. Backing the proposal, Conservative councillor Steve Wortley pointed to the good service and quality meals the company provides. I am sure there would be the opinion to reduce the quality, but that should be the last thing we want to do, he, add, he added and Conservative councillor Colette Wyatt-Lowe said, I think that it's vital that we carry on ensuring that we can supply good, nutritious, value-for-money meals to all the children in our schools that need it. And bear in mind that perhaps for some children, this may be the only square meal that they get every day, at least for five days of the week. We also know that we have the quality of food within those meals that will keep those pupils engaged and focused throughout the school day. And I'm not sure that that is always the case with packed lunches that come into school, however loving and well-intentioned the parents are when they are preparing them. The proposal was backed unanimously by the committee. And on Monday this week, the Council's Cabinet approved the support package, with councillors stressing HCL's focus on nutrition. HCL serves meals in 333 Hertfordshire primary and 34 secondary schools, as well as a further 90 primary schools out of county. Lockdown project becomes a business. Sophie's Shoes started as a light bulb moment during one Covid Christmas when Kevin Spanswick's wife Vicky was given a candle holder made from a horseshoe. Kevin, 44, recalls the, the cogs started whirring. Vicky and her dad run a livery yard, White Lion Equine, behind Whipsnade Zoo and we have an endless supply of shoes from our friendly farrier, who used to make several trips a month to the scrapyard. We had time on his hands due to COVID 
so decided his lockdown project would be learning to weld. He bought a machine, a book called Welding for Dummies, and that's where it all began. What could possibly go wrong, he smiles. <laughs> I started playing around with, with product designs and then tried them out as gifts to family friends. And to my amazement, they went down remarkably well. The real test came in December 2021 when a local pub was looking for stall holders for a charity fundraiser. The couple decided to give it a go and quickly came up with a name, Sophie's Shoes. Kevin explains, Sophie is, a, is, is very special to my wife and I. She's a 14-year-old chocolate Labrador and the name has a nice ring to it, which made the decision easy. We took 500 pounds that day at a cold, wet, outdoor event with no card machine, but the feedback was incredible. We were blown away by the kind and encouraging comments that we figured it was all worthwhile. He and Vicky enjoy playing around with different ideas and they are often given inspiration by members of the public who see their design at fairs. Some of them are a disaster, Kevin admits, but I enjoy the whole process and I love the fact that each product is unique due to the fact that each individual shoe has been worn down by a different horse. He also loves the way designs evolve and cites his father-in-law asking him to create a dog's head for the yard gate. My first attempt looked more like a fox than a dog. A friend suggested soaking it in water to cause it to rust, and bingo, Freddy the fox was born. Before he met and married Vicky 21 years ago, Kevin had a varied career as a printer, driving instructor, bus driver. When he crossed to Dagonal to be with her, he not only had to adjust to life in the country, but also living with horses. During COVID, Kevin was needed to help out on the farm. Now he also is a dab hand at mucking out and looking after over 30 horses that they have in the yard. He says the most time consuming part of the uh, new business is cleaning up the shoes. They come to me rusty with nails sticking out of them and stones and mud trapped in the crevices. I use strong magnets to hold them in place while I weld them. It's a simple case of painting and lacquering afterwards. The designs cost from £8 to £90 and the most popular are Prosecco and candle holders. Kevin is also able to reform shoes into hearts. Woodlands registered as common land. A conservation body has announced a winning bid to secure common land status for woodland near Hemel Hempstead. The Open Spaces Society has announced that the local authority has granted the status on Burry Wood. Common land status has been given to approximately 6.3 hectares of woodland south of Boxmoor. Owned by the Boxmoor Trust, a Hertfordshire-based charity, Burry Wood is adjacent on its north boundary to Sheethanger Common. In 1968, application provisionally was made to register the land as common land, but was subject to an objection. After this, the applicants withdrew their request. The Open Spaces Society has linked the new application to a new law passed in the past 20 years. Using the Commons Act 2006, it was argued that the land was eligible for re-registration. The Society argues that the land is a waste land of a manor, which means that it can be registered as common land. 
Francis Kerner, Open Spaces Society Registration Officer, said, This is an example of a provisional registration of common land made under the 1965 Commons Registration Act being cancelled without full consideration given at the time to the merits of and challenges to the application. While we recognise that the land is in the care of the Box Moor Trust, we are pleased that it is now it now has the added protection of the Commons Act 2006 with access for walkers and riders under Section 193 of the Law of Property Act 1925. Celebrations to mark 70 years since school crossing patrols, SCP, were introduced on Hertfordshire roads have been held with all serving members being presented with a commemorative badge. Among the recipients is Francis Deary, who is the service's longest serving member, having clocked up 40 years with the SCP. She said, I'm glad I've done it for all this time and I'd recommend the job to anyone. Councillor Phil Bibby, executive member for Highways and Transport said, our school crossing patrols play a really important part in keeping young people active in Hertfordshire. Children and young people walk to school teaches them independence but it also helps to reduce the amount of traffic in the local area, especially during the school drop-off and pick-up and improving air quality in the neighbourhood for everyone. It's great that many of our SCPs stay with us for so many years and even get their family members involved in the role. The SCP duties, equipment and uniforms have remained constant over the years, though originally police carried out the service and were issued with white dust coats to protect their uniforms while on duty. They also wore armbands and peaked caps with metal shields and were provided with torches, gumboots and gloves. Torches disappeared from use but in the 60s red fluorescent sleeves and jackets were made available. There are over 140 SCPs working across the county, some in permanent roles, while others cover relief positions. The roles are paid with full training provided, no previous experience is required. For details, visit the Council's website. Obituaries and family announcements. Martin Byatt sadly passed away on the 11th of August 2023 at 4.45am at the Royal Free Hospital. Much loved dad to Paul and daughter-in-law Alison and much loved by the family. Inquiries to Neville Funerals 252395. James Herbert, James Peter also known as Jim of Gade Close passed away at a loving home on Tuesday the 22nd of August 2023 age 66. The funeral service will take place at St John's Church Boxmoor on Wednesday the 27th of September at 11.30am. Committal to follow at Woodwell Cemetery at 12.15pm. Donations and messages of condolence may be given at our website www.jwarley.co.uk or telephone 253465. Barbara Selden, lifelong resident of Hemel Hempstead, sister of Pat and Marion, passed away at Watermill House Care Home on Tuesday the 5th of September 2023, aged 86 years. Donations to Hemel Hempstead Salvation Army, messages, messages of condolence or donations may be given at our website jwarley.co.uk or telephone 253465. May they all rest in peace. Know the symptoms of a heart attack. More than 9 out of 10 people who suffer a heart attack but get to hospital and receive appropriate treatment in good time survive. Health experts say the early symptoms of a heart attack do not always feel severe and can be easy to dismiss. However, it is never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. The faster you act, the better your chance of a full recovery.
The early signs of a heart attack can vary and may start off as quite minor. Languages teacher Anne Burgess went from a hectic day at work to an emergency dash to A&E in the night. When Anne had an incredibly busy start to her new school term, she felt unusually anxious that evening, feelings she put down to extreme stress and staff shortages. But during the night, her symptoms worsened. I woke up at half past three in the morning and I just thought, what on earth was that? It was just this central chest pain that felt like a huge pressure in the centre of my chest radiating out through my back. I just lay there thinking, is it going to go away? And it didn't. The pain was going up my arm and into my neck. I was feeling hot and sweaty and I couldn't breathe properly. Anne, who was just 57 at the time, was displaying the classic presentation of a heart attack. She woke her husband, called an ambulance and was blue-lighted to hospital. There, medics used a variety of tests to diagnose and treat her. Despite being a fit, she'd run a 10k that year, wasn't overweight and eats a well-balanced diet, Anne had to make changes. And, despite not having high cholesterol at the time, she now keeps a careful eye on that too. Now retired, Anne has urged people to beware of the signs and not to be afraid to phone 999 and describe their symptoms if things simply don't feel right. I remember my husband saying, Anne doesn't cry wolf, and knowing that this wasn't a normal feeling for me. I'm glad I did call the ambulance. Who knows what might have happened? Professor Nick Linker is a cardiologist and National Clinical Director for Heart Disease, NHS England. He said, People who are experiencing a heart attack often describe it as a sensation of squeezing or tightness across the chest, along with other symptoms such as sweating, nausea or a sense of unease. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of heart attack as they don't always feel severe, but it is never too early to dial 999 and describe your symptoms. You can also take preventative measures including healthy diet and lifestyle choices, having routine blood pressure and cholesterol checks and maintaining a healthy weight. Learn more at the website nhs.uk backslash heart attack. Signs to look out for. The most common symptoms of a heart attack is chest pain, but symptoms can vary from person to person and include a sensation of pressure, heaviness, tightness or squeezing across the chest. A feeling that pain is spreading from your chest to your arms, jaw, neck and back. Feeling light-headed or dizzy. Sweating, shortness of breath, feeling or being sick. A feeling of unease, coughing or wheezing. Don't miss the early signs. Call 999. What's on? Music. Retake that. Auburn Arena, St Albans, September 21. Former Take That star Jason Orange said it was just like watching my mates on stage. Expect all the hits and fan favourites, all done with an attention to detail described by Jason as amazing. Visit albanarena.co.uk to book. More music. The Drifters, Grove Theatre, Dunstable, September 24th. The Drifters are back on tour with a brand new show performing all their classic hits from the last six decades, including Saturday Night at the Movies, You Are More Than a Number, and Come On Over to My Place. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk to book. Comedy. Rialina. Reawakening Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, September 22nd. The comedian and scientist tackles the issues of coming out of a global pandemic, the new normal. Divorce, dating in a new digital world, motherhood and more. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. Theatre. Life of Pi, Milton Keynes Theatre until September 23rd. Based on the global ph phenomenon and winner of the Man Booker Prize, 
which sold more than 15 million copies worldwide, Life of Pi is the acclaimed and hugely popular adaptation of an epic journey of endurance and hope. After an epic storm in the Pacific Ocean, Pi is stranded on a lifeboat with four other survivors, a hyena, a zebra, an orangutan and a royal Bengal tiger. Winner of five Olivia Awards, including Best New Play, the show features striking visuals and top-class puppetry combined. The Times called it breathtaking. Visit atgtickets.com forward slash Milton Keynes to book. Comedy. Marcus Birdman, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, September 23rd. His quick quips and dark humour have delighted audiences for the past 20 years and made him a Britain's Got Talent star. But Marcus suffered a stroke in 2021. It was his second. He found himself in hospital mid-lockdown with no visitors allowed. He has permanently lost half his eyesight but has thundered back into comedy fresh from a recent Edinburgh Fringe run and he's been nominated for a 2023 Chortle Award. He has also recently written for Jade Adams and supported Jason Manford at Palladium. Marcus said, I'm excited to get out on the road on tour to bring joy to the masses and also to raise a little stroke awareness, not for your pity, more for your awe and admiration and cash. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. Music on TV, Kylie, live in the park, Saturday BBC 2 at 10.05pm. Kylie Minogue may only be 5 foot 1 in her socks, but she will bestride the stage like a female colossus as she headlines the massive music event, her first full UK concert in more than four years. Expect an array of classy hits alongside some exclusive tracks from her new album, Tension. Auntie Beeb then offers a chance to look back over Kylie's long career in a freshly extended programme. It's a whistle-stop journey from her girl-next-door years with Stock, Aitken and Waterman to her sexy, boundary-pushing dance sounds of the 90s, noughties and beyond. Keep your eyes peeled for some of Kylie's biggest collaborators too, including Robbie Williams, Nick Cave and, of course, Jason Donovan. Films at the cinema. All popular films are provided to cinemas with an audio description track. Please mention your requirements at the time of booking. Films at the cinema this week include Boland Shoes. This takes us on a tumultuous journey through the height of T-Rex mania in 1970s Liverpool. It captures the heady exhilaration of glam rock mania through the experiences of a group of overexcited kids from a local children's home before a devastating road accident changes their lives forever. Years later, and still clinging to the adoration of her childhood idol, survivor Penny takes best friend and fellow Mark Bolan fan, Stefan, to visit his shrine in London but a chance encounter there catapults her back to the horror she had tried so hard to forget. Light-hearted comedy and supernatural chills abound in this inspirational story. Cinema, Rise of the Foot Soldiers, Vengeance. Tate goes on a rampage to avenge his loyal and trusted foot soldiers' violent death. To track down the villain responsible, Tate ventures beyond his comfort zone of Essex and into the dark side of 90s Soho. He squares up against violent kingpins and negotiates his way through treacherous back streets with sheer brutal force. Set to execute his revenge, Tate will stop at nothing, even as the world around him starts to explode. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 From writer and director Nia Vardolas, the worldwide phenomenon My Big Fat Greek Wedding is coming back to theatres with a brand new adventure. Join the Porto Callas family as they travel to a family reunion in Greece for a heartwarming and hilarious trip full of love, twists and turns. Opa. And now outdoors... 
Join us for the Boxmoor Trust Annual Autumn Festival at Blackbirds Moor on Saturday 23rd and Sunday 24th of September. There will be entertainment, fabulous food and an array of wonderful stores and crafts with plenty to see and do for all ages. We look forward to seeing you all there. For any inquiries, please contact us at admin at boxmoortrust.org.uk. A chat and a cuppa. Cafe sessions for people who have been affected by any type of loss, offering a friendly chat and a chance to meet others over a cup of tea, have started in a village. Rennie Grove Peace Hospice Care has announced the launch of a new compassionate cafe run in partnership with Wigington Community Shop and Cafe in Chesham Road, Wigington, HP236HH. The cafe will run on the first Wednesday of the month and provides a space for local people who have been affected by bereavement or any kind of loss to meet others by coming together for a cuppa and a chat. Each session is run by volunteers who are on hand to welcome and speak to attendees. They have an informal structure guided by the needs of the people attending. The charity has been running a number of successful compassionate cafes in Watford, Three Rivers and Hartsmere areas since December 2021 and is delighted to be bringing the model to Wigington Tring. The hospice charity is working in partnership with Wigington Community Shop and Cafe and their volunteers have been trained up by the hospice to help provide a welcoming space. The Compassionate Cafe starts on October the 4th 2023 and will run from 1 until 3pm. Nikki, one of the volunteers at the Rene Grove Peace Hospice Care Compassionate Cafe in West Watford says, Compassionate cafes offer a great opportunity for us as volunteers to be able to provide comforting and reassuring company in a friendly environment to those who are trying to build up the confidence to venture out, meet, meet with people again and feel a sense of inclusion after suffering a loss. Sally, the manager on the Wigington Village Community Shop and Cafe, is excited about the launch of the Compassionate Cafe and said, we're delighted to be part of such an important project and host a Compassionate Cafe. This type of support will greatly benefit the local community. Alison May, Community Engagement Manager at Rennie Grove Peace Hospice Care says, it has, it has been a wonderful it has been wonderful to see the impact our compassionate cafes have had on both volunteers and attendees in our existing locations. So we're really looking forward to bringing this to Wigington Tring area. The cafes are very informal in structure. They're not a support group or counselling session, but people who come along tell us they get a huge amount out of the peer support and the chance to meet other people who understand their loss. I encourage anybody in the area who has experienced any type of bereavement or loss to come along to the sessions and see what they can take away from them. Pets need homes. Cats Protection in Decorum is continuing the search for a home for affectionate feline Mo. Nine-year-old Mo, who is described as very much young at heart, has been looking for his forever family since his circumstances changed over summer. Mo does like the quieter side of life and in uh, sunny weather he is heavy, very happy. Spending days in the garden and his evening cuddled up on the sofa with someone. He enjoys a bit of playtime now and again but best of all he loves to be in company. He would like a forever home in a family environment with older children as the only pet, where someone is around part of the day. That said, he is quite happy to while away the time with snoozing. He's a true gentleman. He would need a secure garden away from main roads. If you have a space in your heart and home for Mo, then visit www.cats.org.uk forward slash decorum or call 
0345 371 1851. Decorum parents under pressure as number of days they have to respond over child's school places is to be halved. Every year parents express a number of preferences for primary or secondary schools they would like their children to attend. And where schools are oversubscribed, those applications are ranked according to a range of factors that include distance between home and school. When places are allocated, parents currently have 14 days to decide whether to accept the place they've been offered or not, so places are available to other students. But from next year, 2025 to 26, Hearts Council has agreed to cut the time that parents can hold on to a place before deciding to seven days. It's one of a number of minor amendments to the process that education officials will provide greater clarity and effectiveness and they were agreed by a meeting of the County Council's Cabinet on Monday, September the 18th. Decorum Borough Council is looking to increase parking costs for the first time in four years. The authority has now opened a consultation period regarding its plans to increase parking charges and tariffs across the borough. Parking fees were last increased by the Council in 2019 and in that period inflation has risen by 28%. Hearts County Council has drawn up a strategy for the rollout of electric vehicle charging points in Hertfordshire in order to meet the growing demand for electric cars. Latest forecasts suggest that by 2030 almost one in three cars will be electric with the need for more than 3,000 more charge points across the county. The Council's stated aim is to enable those who live and work in the county to recharge their vehicles conveniently and appropriately. And on Monday, September the 18th, the Cabinet agreed the final version of the Council's Electric Vehicle Charging Infrastructure Strategy. That strategy highlights the potential for more charging points in car parks, whether operated by the public or private sector. It points to a willingness to look at other off-street options on a publicly owned land. And where off-street options are unavailable, or the numbers of spaces insufficient, it says the Council will support the installation of charge points on the highway network to fill gaps in provision. Presenting the strategy to the Cabinet, Deputy Executive Member for Highways and Transport, Councillor Rena Ranger, said it was a roadmap to facilitate the transition to an electrified transportation network. This is an important strategy to support and encourage the use of electric vehicles, particularly as we strive for a sustainable Hertfordshire, said Councillor Ranger. But it has been important to strike the right balance in order that the needs of all are catered for. Hemelstorm got their kit-kicking trophy defence off to a winning start with a 102-91 success over Essex Rebels. As expected, the first quarter was incredibly close, with both teams within touching distance of each other, Storm beginning to take control, which forced an early timeout. However, it was an impressive response from the Rebels who swiftly managed to cut the deficit to a one-possession game. In particular, it was guard Luke Busumbru who used his pace and agility to drive in for layups, which lifted Essex into a small lead. Despite Storm's attempts to get back into the game, it was the Rebels who were happier of the happier of the two teams by the end of quarter one, winning 24-27. to Storm showed no sign of allowing the Essex Rebels to control the game. Hakim Seiler registering a block and many points alongside New Zealander Braden Inger, who tantalised the Storm faithful with his exceptional array of finishing. Although Storm was starting to apply more pressure, Essex refused to back down from the challenge, relying, replying with baskets of their own. 
It was half-time with Storm in the lead, winning 58-51. to The third quarter began with Storm starting to pull away again, using the intelligence of Seth Swalve and Sam Newman, who both had outstanding games and shot with high accuracy. Storm started to pull away to their game high of a 20-point lead. Turnovers definitely contributed to the Rebels' downfall, especially after a Veron Ease dunk in transition fired up the electric crowd. The teams into the final quarter with the scoreboard reading 84-67 to 67 in Storm's favour. Persistence from the visitors brought the deficit to within 10 points in the fourth, but time eventually expired which meant that Storm took the victory. Overall it was a good display shown by Storm and a positive start for new head coach Mark Clark. This weekend's doubleheader sees Storm at home to London Elite on Saturday and away to local rivals Thames Valley Cavaliers on Sunday. Banamara play of the game, Seth Swalve, 29 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Top scorers, Seth Swalve, 29, Sam Newman, 23, Hakim Saila, 21. And now in football, Burko go through in FA Cup. After a tricky first half, Burko went on to book their place in Monday's draw for the third qualifying round of the FA Cup with a 3-1 win at Eastbourne United. Eastbourne were unbeaten in their 13 games from the start of the season and despite being two divisions lower than the Comrades, proved difficult opponents in a fairly even first half. Connor Toomey returned after his Great North run and there was a first start for Lewis Johnson. Both had a hand in the opening goal in the 19th minute. Toomey crossed for Edu, whose shot was beaten out by United keeper James Broadbent, and Johnson converted the loose ball with a shot to mark his full debut for Burko. The 19-year-old was released by MK Dons in the summer and had come on as a substitute midweek. About 10 minutes later, United equalised when a Hayden Beaconsfield corner came over and Burko took their eyes off the ball, so Alfie Headland was able to nod it in at the back post. An offside flag deprived Toomey of a goal that would have restored the lead. United pressed hard towards the end of the half, but Burko held out with Jamie Head making one fine save and another shot went over the bar. The crucial goal came in slow motion when the keeper allowed a Johnson effort to creep in at the back post. It was all over with around half an hour remaining when Dan Newton's header was deflected off a defender to give Burko a two-goal cushion. Edu scored again for Burko, but it was ruled out for offside. Late goal denies the Tudors a win at Worthing. Hemel took the lead early in the second half when Joe Ixiofano latched on to a header from George Williams and finished well, but Worthing equalised with eight minutes to go through Joe Colbran and the points would be shared. Hemel now get back into action this weekend in the FA Cup when they visit Royston Town who play a level below the Tudors in the Southern Premier League Premier Central. This week in history, September 21st, 1792, France was declared a republic and the monarchy abolished. On this day last year, Liz Truss held a bilateral meeting with Joe Biden. September the 22nd, 1735, Sir Robert Walpole became the first Prime Minister to move into 10 Downing Street. September 23, 1974, the BBC CFAX teletext service began the world's first. On this day last year, taking a dip in icy water may cut bad body fat in men and reduce the risk of disorders such as diabetes, a new study suggested. September the 24th, 1896, American writer F. Scott Fitzgerald was born. He became an alcoholic in his early 20s and died aged 44 after having two heart attacks. 
He wrote the definitive 1920s novel The Great Gatsby in 1925. On this day last year, a 450-ton decommissioned oil rig transformed into an interactive art installation Western Supermare opened to the public. We've come to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are sunrise at 6.45 and sunset at 19.03, giving 12 hours and 18 minutes of daylight. We currently have a waxing crescent moon. If you would like to give us any feedback or you have a news story or know an event taking place soon that you think would be suitable for our listeners, please get in touch by email to dtneditors at dtnhemmel.org.uk or leave a message on our telephone at 01442 For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemmel.org.uk. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music there is the amenities section that gives details of various group and contact details of organisations. Until next time, it's goodbye from all of our tonight's team.